You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. Hello, spooky friends. It's October now. Does that matter? Not really. Deadbeat started its life, fun fact, as a radio show that happened in February and March. So, yeah, I don't really care if it's near Halloween. The love for spooky music continues all year, but it's near to Halloween. Yay, happy October. Let's hope that October is going to be better than the last few months have been, Halloween aside. I hope you're all doing okay, I hope you're safe. I'm Grace, welcome to Deadbeat. This is our musical theatre themed episode, finally! So if you don't know, every episode of this podcast I pick two songs to focus on. And there is heaps of good spooky musicals out there in the world, which is great, that's what we want to see. But, because I couldn't choose all of the songs from all of the musicals, I did make a Spotify playlist a few days ago where I just chucked all the good spooky musical theatre tracks that I could think of into one place. So, like, new stuff like Beetlejuice or obvious old classics like Rocky Horror, I just put it all in the one place. And that is on all the Deadbeat socials. It's also in the show notes for this episode, so that just makes me feel a little bit better about having to choose two. I was very sad that Spotify apparently doesn't have the Evil Dead musical. Sad, sad times for Grace. But I just picked two tracks that I feel kind of work for this episode. I've got the big dramatic closing number of one show and the big dramatic opening number of another show. One of them is about a barber, the other one is about a florist. I didn't actually do that on purpose, I just think it's funny. And also in the show notes is the YouTube playlist with the supplementary spooks for this episode, which is just bonus gems. Also, all the socials, any content warnings, if there's any of those, that will all be in the show notes. Let's go to the theatre. Little Shop of Horrors is a musical based on a B-movie. A little bit unusual. But in 1960, a bloke called Roger Corman made a satirical B-movie. Very tropey, alien invasion-y kind of movie. You know I love that. And the musical, which came out in the 80s, just takes those tropes and turns them up to 11. Like Spinal Tap. So it's about an evil alien plant that comes to Earth from somewhere beyond the stars, we don't know, and creates just kind of a ridiculous, slippery slope of a situation for the main dude, because this plant, which is a little bit like a Venus flytrap, is very good at psychologically manipulating humans into feeding it other humans. So yeah, that means the plant can talk. And uh, because it's a musical, that also means the plant can sing. And as you would hope, it is set in a florist shop. So the score for Little Shop of Horrors was written by Alan Menken and Howard Ashman. And if you know their work, particularly if you know their Disney work, you know that they wrote the score for The Little Mermaid, which is the Disney movie with the best music of all time. 
fight me. Anyway, if you know the score for The Little Mermaid, then you know that they can write a really good villain song. And they did that twice in Little Shop of Horrors. One about a terrible, sadistic dentist just kind of living his best life. He dies early on, so might as well have a good song. And the other one is the persuasive, uh, talking alien plant. Honestly, one of the best things about Little Shop of Horrors as a show is the fact that a giant plant that eats people is a central part of the story, and that is done on stage. So that is accomplished by puppetry. A number of puppets, because the plant grows throughout the show. I've seen many productions of this show, honestly, way too many. And it's always done slightly differently, but uh, you do need a big, ginormous green mouth and some tendrils and it needs to be able to talk and eventually it needs to be big enough for actors to climb inside of when they get eaten. Very normal night of theatre. And it looks incredibly cool. Also, I feel like I should give a special shout out. I saw an amateur production of this show in Melbourne quite a few years ago because some people I knew were in it and the lady who was playing the voice of the plant so remember you never saw her during the show she was just a voice she came out to take her bows in a poison ivy cosplay which was genius there was a movie adaptation of the musical so a movie based on a musical based on a movie and it was honestly really good I'm thinking I should re-watch it closer to Halloween Except that the ending of the stage musical has the alien plants succeeding and multiplying and taking over the world and all that good stuff. And through a bit of puppetry kind of eat the theatre that the audience is sitting in. But the ending of the movie is changed to be a little bit less bleak, but also a bit less silly. Now I'm not going to be a theatre snob and say that the original ending is better, but I am a theatre snob and the original ending is better. But there is a director's cut of the movie with an alternate ending where the plants do win and you get to see them rampaging around cities and destroying everything and that's a lot of fun. I love that that was even filmed. My snobbery is satisfied. It's still a great movie either way. But there is a director's cut of the movie with an alternate ending where the plants do win, and you get to see them rampaging around cities and destroying everything, and that's a lot of fun. I love that that was even filmed. My snobbery is satisfied. It's still a great movie either way. Anyway, the song that I have picked for this podcast is the final song of the musical. First song of the podcast, but it's the big grand finale of the show, where, like I said, the plants are eating the theatre, as you do, and the kind of ghosts of some of the main characters, who have already been eaten earlier, sing this kind of warning song to the audience. Probably a bit late for that, actually, but that's what they do. And that's why the finale song is called Don't Feed the Plants. And it is the perfect ending to a very ridiculous, creepy night of theatre. So now we're going from the big dramatic closing number of one musical to the big dramatic opening number of another musical. Let's talk Sweeney Todd. Definitely one of the OG spooky musicals 
that's honestly kind of terrifying. I mean, it's definitely over the top and gothy, and it's sometimes very funny. I mean, anything about a barber going on a murderous rampage is already fun times, but it's also very unsavory in some other ways. But let's talk about how beautiful the music is. The score was written by Stephen Sondheim, the dude who did Into the Woods and West Side Story and a bunch of other good stuff. And just the way that all the pieces in the Sweeney Todd score fit together to be atmospheric and to tell the story just makes my very nerdy brain very happy. So, dramatic, hammy opening number. It's kind of addressed to the audience. Same with the Little Shop of Horrors song. I just obviously like it when musicals do that. So it's sung by most of the cast, telling the audience about this tale that they're about to witness. So dramatic. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. So in one of his books that he wrote, Stephen Sondheim said that he intended this opening line to kind of signal to the audience, like, not to take the story super seriously, super literally kind of treat it a bit like it's a fable or a fairy tale, which is probably for the best, considering the stuff in said story. It does make for a really lovely, foreboding opening number. It also contains this line. And what if none of their souls were saved, they went to the maker impeccably shaved. It, it, it's funny, okay? Uh, I'm sorry. It's funny. I am forever bitter that this song was not in... The movie adaptation of Sweeney Todd. Uh, you do get to hear it during the opening credits, but it's not really sung as a musical number. But I, I think I've done enough theatre snobbery for one day. I'm done. Relax. And it's so theatrical. It's great. So Sweeney Todd started its life in the 1970s, and I'm not directing you to anything piratical, but there is a recording of the original cast performing somewhere out there in the ether, I'm actually not quite sure. Actually, that's something else that I need to re-watch before Halloween. I also kind of love the fact that the murderous Barbara's accomplice in the original production is the lady from Murder, She Wrote, Angela Lansbury. I don't know, I just think it's funny. So we've gone from the big closing number of one musical to the big opening number of a different musical. Both very different shows with very different musical styles, very different composers, both staples of the spooky musical theatre genre. Is that actually a genre in its own right? I don't know, but I'm gonna declare that it is now, from today. So this is the part of the episode that I call Supplementary Spooks, where we go on a bit of a further rabbit hole with all the good stuff that we've been talking about with a YouTube playlist that is in the show notes. Also, I feel like if, you, if you're if you not a fan of my dulcet voice and you don't listen to the podcast, you can always 
just probably watch the YouTube playlist, still get some interesting spooky treats every week. Anyway, that's your decision. You live your life how you want. Supplementary spooks for this episode. Firstly, I did say that I wasn't going to be a theatre snob about Little Shop of Horrors and the ending in the musical being better than the ending in the movie, but I also said that there is an alternate ending to the movie in a director's cut where plants uh, take over the world. Sounds fun. So that is the first supplementary spook in the playlist. You can watch that. It actually has some really cool effects. And the other one, TV trailers for stage musicals are not really very common. I would consider them a bit of a rarity, so when I find one I want to share it with people. And the original production of Sweeney Todd in 1979 had a trailer filmed to be played on TV, advertising, hey, come see this show, get creeped out, good times. It's very short, very punchy, gets across the vibe of the show without spoilers. It has theatre actors getting way too close to a camera. It's great. I really like it. I would call it a bit of a hidden gem. So those are the supplementary spooks. They are in the playlist, which is in the show notes. And the playlist is also on all the socials for this podcast. And like I said earlier, I made a playlist with just all the spooky musicals I could find. So you don't have to choose just two. And there is a link to that in the show notes as well, if you want to listen to it on Spotify. At the end of every episode, I shout out a different cause in the spirit of us spooky people coming together to help if we're able to. And this one is RISE, which is an organisation for refugees, survivors and ex-detainees. And they're currently running an appeal so that they can increase their services for refugees during the COVID situation. The most direct link to donate is in the show notes, and I'm also going to put it on all the Deadbeat socials. Thank you, like always, for being spooky with me today, going on a musical theatre journey. I hope that you're safe, I hope that you're doing okay, and if you need diversions, come... Keep being nerdy and spooky with me on the socials, DeadBeatSin on Insta and Twitter, where it's all very nerdy and aesthetic and spooky, where every day this week, starting today, you can see me do a little feature on some of my favourite spooky album art of all time. I will see you next Wednesday for another spooky pop culture rabbit hole where we dive into sci-fi again, I love my sci-fi, with one song that was written specifically for a sci-fi movie, made by a band formed for writing that song for that sci-fi movie, and another song that's just very 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 vaguely inspired by another sci-fi movie. Two ends of a spectrum.
And before we finish up, I just want to acknowledge that I record and produce this podcast on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I would like to pay my respects to the elders and traditional owners of the land. I want to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You're listening to a Sim Media podcast. <laughs>